So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Dr. Andy Neely with us today. And uh, of course, that's with Neely Leadership. And you can find him at neelyleadership.com. That's N-E-I-L-L-I-E leadership.com. And he actually has an offer for you today. If you listen all the way to the end of the episode, you know, you see what I'm doing there. Just you just kind of listen all the way and he will uh, will be offering some free content for you. But anyway, what we're going to be talking about today is ascending managers into leaders, which if you're watching the videos, he actually has a screen on behind him that says we turn managers into leaders. And it's actually a a particular topic of interest of mine, because I have found that there are many, many people who are in management positions with authority who think of themselves as leaders, but unfortunately are anything but. And uh, Andy, I would love to hear your thought, but the way that I think of leaders as people who influence other people to follow them because they want to, not because they have to. And if you look at it from that context, there are a disturbingly small number of leaders at any level of private, public, or non Actually, there's probably the most in nonprofit or private or public enterprise. Probably. Yeah, good point. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because you can be a manager where people have to follow you. Yeah. And you are also a leader. They choose to follow you. But Doug, your whole point, leadership is influence. You can yeah. be a leader without any formal management position. Correct. Some of the characteristics you and I are going to dive into in yeah. a couple of Exactly. Exactly. So Andy, let's kind of, you know, unpack your framework a little bit because, you know, it, it sounds really simple, right? Okay. Take a manager, turn them into a leader. Okay. How? <laughs> Well, first of all, so I'm going to take 30 seconds to celebrate. I've been listening to some of your podcasts recently. Hey, and Andy, for you, I have 60 seconds. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, one of your recent podcasts was to take an entrepreneurial idea and, and turn it into a business and turn it into a brand. Yep. That, that line I have behind me, Doug, we turn managers into leaders. Last week, I got the, the U.S. Department of Registration, send me back my trademark. We own that. Outstanding. So in fact, I haven't even gone into my... PowerPoint and updated it with the little R circle. But as I was listening to you interact with one of your other guests, I realized this is us turning my passion ultimately into a brand. And and so here's the quick story around my passion. You know, there's two paths to my world that we're going to talk about. I'm a small business owner here in Central Texas, got a $3 million multi-location retail enterprise, had that for about 12 years. My passion around leadership is longer than that, Doug. I, I had yeah. I had some bad bosses early in my career. You know, they say sometimes the best lessons you can learn are from your anti-mentors. I had a couple yeah. of bad bosses. One of them, he was not just a bad boss. He, he was a bad person. And I just remember sitting in the construction yeah. truck. I was working summers in construction, going from job site to job site. And I remember sitting next to him in this uh, construction pickup truck thinking, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like him. Yeah. That combined with my faith, uh, my faith is important to me and the moral underpinning of that really awakened a passion in me, yeah. gosh, more than 25 years ago, Doug. And, and you know, if, you, if we all want to laugh about the Blues Brothers being on a mission from God, in some respects- Never laugh at the Blues Brothers. <laughs> I'm with you on that. But in some respects, in the same way, I really think I'm on a mission from God to help people understand what you talked about 
two minutes ago. Yeah. Managers are, are not necessarily yeah. leaders. And as I worked on my doctorate, as I've interacted with Fortune 500 and startup businesses, startup businesses and nonprofits, as you mentioned earlier in our brief conversation ahead of time, it's become very evident to me. Leadership is not easy, but it is simple. And if we can get our hands around what, what I call the four leadership necessities, Doug, uh-huh. and, and have people aspire, as you said a minute ago, to develop in these four areas, conviction, competence, character, and covenant, an interesting word that I'd like to unpack in a couple It must have been a lot of work to get all of those to start with C. Well, <laughs> that, I, that's a fact, lot of mental gymnastics. I've tried exactly to go through right. that before. <laughs> it's been fun for me because we've been cleaning out some old offices and I see my language from 15 years ago and it was about six paragraphs long. And now I've compacted it down to one paragraph so that what did Mark Twain say? I would have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. It takes. Yeah, I apologize uh, for the length of this letter. I had not the time to make it shorter. <laughs> Well, I've worked and worked and worked on what leadership is, and I'm absolutely convinced, and the research supports it. You and I get these four leadership necessities yep. right, and we can begin to answer for ourselves: am I a leader and not just a manager? All right. Well, let's dive in a little bit then. Okay. Yeah. In fact, the first one is the one that I think a lot of us would say, if there's something that defines a leader, they have vision. They see yep. some things that other people don't see. Your, your people are working today. They're working this week. They're working this month. Maybe it's the 1st of June. And so they've got the next 30 days in mind. Yeah. If you are going to be a manager who is also a leader, you bring conviction about the bigger picture to bear. You see what other people don't see. It's this whole area of passion. And I'm going to take us on a journey that is a good journey. One of your recent podcasts talked about the hero's journey and the writer's yes. journey. And there's a journey that I'm going to take you on. So very yeah. quickly, let me tell you the other half of my story. 12 years uh-huh. ago, my wife and I launched some businesses here in Central Texas. We are a multiple unit franchisee of Aquatots, the largest okay. network of swim schools in the world. Fun story for us. Our daughter, 28 years ago, was one of the original Aquatots when a lot, young lifeguard showed up in our backyard pool. We were living in Phoenix at the time. Fast forward 28 years later, that young lifeguard has been on the board of the U.S. Swim School Association, Ron Sierra, master yeah. franchisor. And we own five of them in Central Texas. Doug, if you told me 13 years ago, I would be passionate and have conviction around childhood drowning, I would have said, well, I know it's important to my friend, Ron, and there's probably bad news there, but I'm not really aware of it. Doug, I will look you and everybody that's dialed into the video version of your podcast right now, eye to eye and say, we got to get our kids safe in the water. Here in Texas, we're already more than a dozen drowning inns to, uh, in, in 20, 2022 already. So, Well, and, and again, we, you know, this isn't a political podcast and I, I really don't want to get political. And that, that's utterly not the point of what I'm about to say. But with that said, what a lot of people don't know is that there, I mean, it, because of course, at the time of this recording, there was unfortunately a very horrific uh, school shooting in Texas that's, you know, unfortunately near where you're at. But what a lot of people don't know is more children die from drowning every year than from gun violence. You wouldn't oh, know that from what you hear in the, in the media, yeah, but yeah. more children die from drowning yeah. than gun violence. So if your objective is to save the most children possible, drown, you know, preventing drowning will yeah. provide a higher ROI. Well, and look at you right now, Doug, that's that conviction, right? I did not know that 13 years ago. And I sweat bullets every morning that I see my Google alerts pop up now telling me another childhood drowning. And I guess this is the final thing I'll say quickly about conviction. In fact, 13 years ago, I didn't have passion around childhood drowning. It was not in my sphere of influence. 
the lesson for all of us managers is when you dive into something that's worthwhile, passion will grow, vision will grow, conviction will grow. People will want to follow you because you have an eye for what needs to change. There's something wrong we got to do it better in the future. That's conviction. And Doug, some people I think are just wired passionately. Yeah. For me, it was a conviction that grew as my awareness grew. Exactly. Precisely. So that's the first one. The first C is conviction. Well, and uh, there's an idea that I want to bounce off of you. I'll be honest, I have a little bit of a personal bent here. And maybe this will align with one of the other tenants a little better. But so there's one of the things that I've seen from people like Jack Welch and Jeff Bezos to other people who say that leaders, quote, see around corners. Yeah. Now, Personally, I think that's nonsense. Nobody sees around corners. It's sometimes people guess and they're right. And then what happens is their ego makes them think that they saw around corners. Nobody knows what the future is going to be. They know what the future may be. They know, you know, but there are unknown elements and right. nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, you may know what's likely to happen, but nobody knows what's going to happen. And trying to pretend that you do or can to me is very destructive. It's just trying to create a personality cult around yourself, which is just an <laughs> ego trip, which is yeah. the antithesis of leadership. I mean, you can still do your research. You can still think ahead. Yeah. You can still be well-informed, uh, but you're exactly right. And so in some respects, the journey of leadership is a journey of trust and faith, yeah. ambiguous world. And part of the reason people will follow managers who are becoming leaders is because they've done the hard work to believe, I do see a vision of the future. It, it might be a different vision. Doug, yeah. a year and a half ago, I was telling our managers, guys, we are going to practice confident uncertainty because what we know right now tells us to do this and we're going to do it with all of our might. And if it changes next week because of the world we were living in a year and a half ago, we changed at that time. But I think your point is well taken. For us to think we've got it figured out is just arrogant. We still need to bring confidence and conviction though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite book titles I've ever read, Donnie Deutsch's book that, you know, often wrong, never in doubt. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so what that kind of says is that, right, you know, there's uncertainty, you don't crumble under it. You have to essentially lean into it and be, you know, and confidently move forward. But what that ultimately means is when you find out you're wrong, you just have to pivot and move another direction. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so that's the conviction. That's the first leadership necessity. The second one is competence, the ability to execute. In fact, in their excellent book, Work of Leaders, the research team at Wiley identified leadership execution is different than worker execution. It involves Uh some of the things you've talked about in some of your earlier podcasts, people, products, profits, Leaders need to be thinking about that. And so, you know, Marshall Goldsmith wrote that book a number of years ago. What got you here won't get you there. Amazing book. Lessons. Yeah. Well, not every one of them is about turning a manager into a leader. I find a, a bunch of just personal, you know, challenge in that book every time I reread it to become a better person. But part of it is if the managers who are listening to your podcast want to become better leaders, they've got to develop a certain degree of financial acumen. The the nonprofits that you speak to, the small businesses you speak to, managers in those, they need to know how to read a financial statement. They need to know how to use project management software. They don't have to execute perfectly, but they've got to bring a a degree of competence that allows people to trust them. And so there's a growth there. I'm working with a large medical device firm right now as they're onboarding a turning rep into manager program. And part of what they're talking about are these very steps of management competence, not just 
project competence, not just yeah. job competence. So the second leadership necessity, if somebody's going to lead and not just manage, they've got to get over the competence hurdle of people, projects, and profits. Now, now one thing, which is just my observation of these tenants you've been listing, I think competence is probably the one that is probably, I'm not going to say it's easiest to clear, but I think is the most concrete. And it's so it's the one that's most likely to be addressed. I mean, you know, tell me if you see anything differently, but, you know, I think the lack of competence is very rarely a problem that I see in a lot of managers. There Sometimes you have domain-specific competence where there's a lack of breadth, but an overall lack of competence I found is is pretty rare. Well, and I, and I would agree with you. And here's the challenge with that. People are oftentimes promoted because of their competence, but I've worked a great deal over the years with sales teams. Some of the very best sales people are the worst managers. (laughs) Are the worst managers. So the competence set has to shift. But then furthermore, to your point, Doug, there's that, that old truism, people join jobs because of the work opportunity. They leave jobs because of their boss. And so when somebody thinks they've got it and the people underneath them don't, it well, it ends up transitioning us actually to the third leadership necessity. We've talked about conviction, vision, passion, that whole thing. We've talked about competence, execution in the area of people, profit, and projects. The one that I think none of us are surprised by that you were alluding to a minute ago, I believe, is the character component. Yeah. That you will never be a better leader than you are a person. Fair, honest other-oriented, selfless. Robert Greenleaf's book on servant leadership 30 years ago now. Really, there's there's been nothing new yeah. under the sun since Marcus Aurelius and Jesus Christ, and leadership began at that level with self-sacrifice and understanding. Well, and it, it, it's kind of funny because I was actually just reading some Marcus Aurelius quotes on my app on my phone. The yeah, your stoic um, app. Uh-huh. Yeah, my stoic app, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Yes. You have the Stoic app also. I've got a bunch of good friends that are living their lives as well as they can following the Stoic, Stoic approach. So, and, and as you know, Doug, I mean, part of that is, you know, Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. It's that whole, we put people in front of us. Yeah. Uh, In fact, let me share just a, a quick, horrible story and insight that drove this home for me. Many of your listeners are familiar with the concept of an interstellar black hole, a star that's so bright that it burns itself out and collapses down and it becomes so compacted together. The gravity of this singularity is so powerful, even light can't get out. And that's why they call it a black hole. You can't ever really see a black hole. What they see out in the galaxies are the things that the, the black holes impact. These interstellar black holes are sucking everything into them. Mm-hmm. Transition to a workshop that I was doing for a longtime client of mine, a big technology firm that I worked for for several years. And I was in a workshop with some sales leaders and their managers were in the back of this conference room. There was probably 18 or 20 of us in the boardroom. And I don't even remember the exact conversation, but Doug, at one point I turned to a flip chart and wrote up there, uh, with them, what's in it for me? We were yeah. talking about value conversations from yeah. the customer's perspective. And Doug, at that point, one of the managers in the back of the room started laughing and he turned to one of the other managers and whispered. And that guy kind of laughed a little bit and shook around. And Doug, I've been standing up in front of people for 25 years now. Yeah. I've earned the highest level at the National Speakers Association for my workshop and keynoting prowess. I, I'm good at what I do when I'm in front of a group. I lost control for the next few minutes. I couldn't quite tell what was going on. There wasn't a total meltdown, but there was this wave of discomfort, yeah. even disgust, disappointment. 
And Doug, here's what came out. We talked about interstellar black holes a minute ago. This man had a, a character black hole. And I didn't know it at the time, but there was a website that had initials similar to WIFM that uh-huh. came out that this guy had been spending time on the type of website that nobody should be on. And that day, Doug, that day he lost the right to lead. I saw it happen to his 12 or 15 team members right there. I thought he might still be their manager, but they're yeah, not yeah. going to follow him into battle anymore. The character black hole, what's hidden ends up coming out. And, you know, we don't have to look very far at all to see, particularly in this social media world where everybody's yeah. always looking to blame everybody else. As soon as somebody stumbles, even a myota, boy, we just jump on them and character flaws will doom managers. In Kuz and Posner's great book, The Leadership Challenge, they've been looking at what followers look for in their leaders for 30 years now. Fairness, honesty, other-oriented, some of these character traits that you and I understand. If you want to be a leader, it cannot be about you. Leaders eat last. The third leadership necessity is the character leadership necessity. Now, I, and I think that's actually, well, and I think that that right there, that's that character necessity. That is the thing that, in my view, that will drive you to fill in the other gaps that you have, because there's nobody who comes in becoming a fully developed leader. But like, you know, one of the questions that you have to say is, okay, what is that characteristic where if you have enough of that, you'll figure out the rest. And I think character is really one of those things, because when you ascend from, hey, I'm in charge, you have to do what I say to, hey, I'm leading these people and I'm responsible for them. If I lead them into an unwinnable situation, that's on me, not them. That yeah. puts a different spin on it. That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, and and really everybody, you know, I'm not saying anything today on our podcast that hasn't been said, as we talked about, from Marcus Aurelius to yeah. Jesus Christ, everybody in between. And, and particularly people have been talking about character and competence quite a bit in the last couple of decades. And I think you're right. If your character is rich enough, you will recognize I need to develop my competence. I need to develop my conviction and you will do the work to become fully orbed in all four of those leadership necessities that I know define a leader and, and turn a manager into a leader. So excellent point. Excellent point. And then that leads me, in fact, it brings me kind of full circle because you said, Andy, that, you know, you've tightened this down quite a bit. I have struggled with the fourth leadership necessity and how Mm -hmm. to properly define it for years, Doug. I used to call it communication, connection. I was trying to find a C, so there would be alliteration, obviously. The Wiley Group in their research in the book, The Work of Leaders, they call this fourth leadership necessity. They call it alignment. It's more than just alignment. And really the last two years, Doug, have helped me finally get language around what I see good leaders do. Mm -hmm. And at the fourth leadership necessity, it's an old fashioned word. It's the word covenant. And covenant is an interesting word. You and I don't use it much in modern language anymore. But here in the state of Texas, where I live, if somebody's going to get married and they go through the formal process of getting married, two things happen. They probably exchange some vows of love and affection, and there's a personal relationship where they're one-on-one promising for good or for bad, for better, for worse, till death do us part type of language. There's a personal affection. And then they also have a formal document that they have to sign and send to the Secretary of State of Texas that formally recognizes this commitment. There are two sides to a leadership covenant. I am for my people if I'm a good leader. 
Brene Brown with all of the work she's yeah. done in the last few years around daring to lead and, and bringing empathy. And you and I both know if, if we spend more than 20 minutes on LinkedIn on any given day, articles on the importance of business empathy are going to, to show up. And, yeah. and just that, that powerful personal connection. My very first manager when I was first starting my career as a grown-up, you know, she said to me, Andy, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People work with people they like and trust. And in that whole empathy side, be be human first is what Stan yeah. Slap of the big leadership guru says, be human first. But that is not enough if you're going to be a leader because sometimes hard decisions have to be made. Sometimes hard things need to be implemented. Sometimes hard realities need to be faced. And part of that means you've got to have the structure in place that allows you to lead with excellence. And so I run a business that's got about 100 employees this time of year. We're a small business, but we will be a big small business here in Central Texas. I have a responsibility to manage this business well. I have to make hard decisions in the best interest of the business because we're saving kids' lives. I want us to be viable next month, next quarter, next year, keep doing our job. And so I need to balance the personal side of caring for my people as deeply as I can with respecting at the end of the day, the mantle of leadership sits on my shoulders for the ongoing success of our business. We let a manager go about six weeks ago. Uh It was a hard decision. We had practiced our core values. We felt like deeply with her, there had been months of conversations. We ultimately made the decision to let her go. The day that I had that conversation with her, she was angry. She was frustrated. She was disappointed. She said, I was not keeping my word. All of those things that probably any manager that's let anybody go, you you just, you lie at night awake wondering, could I have done a better job? She basically accused me of all of that. A week later, I got an email from her wishing me a happy birthday. It was my birthday. And she has landed all right. And furthermore, our business has turned around. That entity, the one that she was in charge of, has turned around faster than I thought it was possible. And we're in in record-setting months right now. Outstanding. Uh, the, the balance of covenant of there is a formal structure that a manager has to be responsible. The prisoners can't be in charge of the prison. You've got to make hard decisions at time, but that needs to be balanced with, I care for my people deeply. And you know, the, the last couple of years, Doug, if there's ever been an opportunity for you and me to lean into the empathy side, the business empathy side, it's demonstrated itself in the last two years. So this, this concept of covenant really gives me the opportunity to fully recognize, Doug, if you're leading a team and you're leading and not just managing a team, I'm going to see you balancing this hard decision driven by numbers, driven by opportunity, driven by customer service scores, whatever the matrix are that I measure our business by. And I am going to take care of my people to the best of my ability. Covenant It's really a wonderful word that we could probably reintroduce into the business lexicon. It's a personal relationship. It's also a formal recognition. So, because, yeah, I was was just thinking, you know, it brings up images of, you know, God's covenant with like Moses or Abraham and a lot of the Old Testament stories. That's a good point where there, there were some laws you were supposed to follow. There was also the promise of a personal relationship. I think that's probably a great analogy. In fact, Doug, you know, you know what they say, if, if somebody like me that keynotes a lot, here's a great idea. Next time I'm up on a stage, I'm going to say, I heard my buddy Doug say this <laughs> two speeches from now. I heard a smart guy 
three speeches from now, can I share with you something that I think we all should be aware of? So, so you'll get credit <laughs> twice, maybe. At the okay. most, hey, so. hey, it's the way the world turns. As long as there's That's something right. in it That's for me, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. But Doug, here, here's the thing. I've been looking at leaders for 25 years now. In fact, even longer because these bad managers I had before I was really even old enough to have any perspective. Leadership is simple. It is not easy. Those four leadership necessities, you and I will work the rest of our lives getting better at them. But there aren't seven necessities. There aren't 11 necessities. You get conviction right. You get competence right. You get character right. You get this new old word covenant right. And you can look yourself in the mirror at night and say, Am I a manager who's trying to become a leader with with a high degree of confidence? That is outstanding. Well, okay. So I think we're at the point where it's time to uh, make good on our promise for a free content for the people who've listened all the way through. So let us know where we can find it. Good. Well, so part of what that covenant aspect requires is that you're with your people and you're in their lives and you're communicating with them. There are three imperative leadership conversations you and I need to be holding with our people. The first one is that hard conversation. And in a, in a formal structured business, there's going to be the official write-ups, but, but it's not just the write-ups. It's a leader needs to be brave enough to lean into talking about hard realities and disappointments. The second imperative leadership conversation is the coaching conversation where, Doug, you're not yeah. getting ready to write me up, but you see some things I could be doing better. And you purposely sit down with me maybe once a month. And we have a 20 or 30 minute conversation that's not about this project. It's not about this outcome. It's not about this sales quota. If I'm in sales, it's really you investing skills and behaviors in me that will make me next successful next month, next quarter, next year, the the coaching conversation. And then the third conversation that's absolutely imperative is the affirmation conversation. When I do something well, I call it the threefold affirmation. If you're a good leader, Doug, The first thing you do is you congratulate me. So that's the first affirmation. Andy, we talked about that at our coaching conversation two months ago. You pulled that off. Well done. I'm proud of you. Andy, in fact, would you tell me what you did? Because you turned a corner there in the right way. And just what did you do? And all of a sudden, that becomes the second affirmation because I get to tell myself again my success. And then the third affirmation of this threefold affirmation is you saying, you know, Andy, we have our weekly team Zoom call Wednesday. Can you take five minutes right after we start the call to share with everybody else how you did it? And the affirmation gets repeated three times. So I call it the the threefold affirmation. I've got an ebook on all of these conversations, the hard conversation, the coaching conversation, and the threefold affirmation conversation. It's a quick little seven-page ebook. It's got a definition and best practices for each one of them. There's a couple of worksheet templates. I'd love to make it available. It will help the managers listening to you grab hold of very practically, how do I have these conversations? You know, I'm still a small guy. Thanks for having me on your podcast. If they simply send me an email at Andy at neelyleadership.com. I'll be glad to send them a copy of this ebook. It will be helpful to them as they work on their conversation skills. Outstanding. So Andy at neelyleadership.com. Andy, really appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. All right. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Light, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners. 
Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.